I didn't really believe that I was pregnant at first. Everybody was like, you need to go, like, get tested. Uh, I remember sitting in English class, looking down at my phone, getting a text of the picture with a pregnancy test saying positive. We just wanted to know, like, what was what? Like, was the pill still the option, or could we find out everything possible about all of our options? We tossed it around back and forth, but we got all the facts from my choice and we realized it wasn't the right thing to do. The actual abortion, really, like, it was discussed, but it, it really wasn't our top choice. I'm Clay. I'm Miranda, and this is Brooke. My choice was nice because it gave us a place to go and talk every week about everything that was going on with my body and the pregnancy and everything that we were about to face. Um, it was nice to get all that information beforehand. We got a lot of like different options that we weren't sure about. And we watched a, a lot of videos, and it showed like different tips on how they can stop crying. And and Marcy told us a bunch of her tips. We got stuff every week for going. Every week we would go and talk to either Kelly or Marcy. She would ask us what the sleeping arrangements were going to be or where are the clothes going to go, all that kind of stuff. And it really got us thinking about, you know, what we had to do to prepare for Thank you for all the support you've given us through the past six months. And uh, we, we would not be this far without the support from everyone that we've gotten here and from all the stuff we've been given. It's, it's a true blessing to have Brooke, and we just want to be the best parents we can be. Without my, without my choice, I don't think we'd be as good as parents as we are now. Thank you. I don't know if you know it or not, but today is Life Sunday. Right of Life Sunday. An opportunity for us to celebrate life. And to make sure that we do everything we can so that no couple takes the advantage of not having life. There are a lot of things that I love about the Christian Missionary Alliance. One is that we don't take a lot of stands on a hundred different issues. But one thing we do take a stand on, and that is life. And this morning we're going to have the opportunity to be able to celebrate that on a regular basis. Last year we joined with Life Choices, a partnership that we have been just absolutely delighted in. And when you walk out the door this morning, out the center doors to the left, you'll be able to see Gina today. Gina Jones is from Life Choices. Her and Chelsea have been a part of our lives over the last couple of years, and specifically this last year and a half. I'm going to invite her to the stage this morning and talk to you about the difference you have made. Last year, you took one of these homes, and you filled it up with an enormous amount of change. And this morning, we want to talk to you about that again and literally tell you the difference that made in the lives of people. Gina, welcome the Community Alliance Church, and welcome from Life Choices as well. Good morning. Thank you for once again allowing me to present Life Choices to you. Uh, first of all, for those of you not yet familiar with us, we are a pro-life pregnancy support ministry. We offer pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, and counseling to women considering abortion. We also offer prenatal and parenting education, material assistance, a men's program, and abortion recovery. Like Pastor Denny said, when we first opened our clinic, um, well, I'm sorry, actually when we first came here last year, our clinic had only been open a few months. And I'm so blessed to tell you 
that since then, I'm going to change the number. The number was going to be 38 lives saved through our clinic since opening in Butler, but I found out after the last service it's 39 lives. She didn't walk. That was great. She didn't walk in our doors, but she heard Chelsea speak here last year. So we're really so blessed by that, and I'm going to keep going because I'll never make it. Um, Brooke was one of the lives that came through our Butler Clinic. And just to clarify, when her mom was saying about the pill, um, the option that they were considering was if she was not too far along to use the abortion pill. She, they weren't totally sold on the procedure itself, but the pill was a consideration. She could have taken the pill, but after seeing Brooke on the ultrasound, they knew that that just wasn't the possibility. Now, those 38 babies, 39 babies that I spoke of, aren't just the babies. They're the moms. They're the dads. They're the generations that will not suffer the tragic effects of abortion because of help through the community, through Community Alliance. Abortion does not only take the life of an innocent child, but it is also the destruction of those involved. Abortion can lead to depression, eating disorders, drug and alcohol addiction, breast cancer, and suicide. And I am here to ask you to help us save even more lives this coming year. All of the services that we offer at Life Choices are free. We receive absolutely no government funding. And I am thrilled to bring the Baby Bottle Program back here. Last year, Community Alliance alone raised over $18,000 in our Baby Bottle campaign. We've determined that for one girl to walk through our doors, it's probably about $50 by the time you do the pregnancy test and the ultrasound. So just close your eyes and imagine how many girls $18,000 can help out. Uh, it's easy. All you do is take one home, fill it with change, checks, cash, whatever God tells you to do, and bring it back within the next two to three weeks. By doing this, you will be playing a huge part in saving the lives of the babies, the moms, and the dads in the Butler community. Now, we know no woman wakes up one day and adds, have an abortion to her bucket list. We know that's a decision made out of fear, pressure, and a lack of knowledge and support. So if you or someone you know find yourself in an unplanned pregnancy, please know that we are here with that knowledge, love, and support to help you make a decision that will not later be regretted. And if that decision has already been made, please call us. We are not here to judge. We are here to help you find the love, the freedom, and the forgiveness that only Jesus Christ can offer. I thank you for your time, and I ask the Lord to bless each and every one of you. Thank you, Gina. It is a real privilege to be able to partner with them. Last year when we gave out the baby bottles, we had no idea what it was going to do. Gina and I talked about it. And we kept taking back and forth, we hoped, for ten dollars or $15,000. When we got eighteen, we couldn't believe it, so obviously this year we're hoping for twenty. One of the things that I said last year, and I'll say it again this year, even if we don't get quite that much, but I've got to believe it will come close to it, 
and that is that I will probably on a regular basis visit every one of your homes and sit in your couches because if you have $20,000 worth of change in your couches, I want to make sure that I come to your home. Every time I read one of the letters by the Apostle Paul, I am amazed by a number of things. But there are three things that clearly stand out every single time I read one of his letters. One is his amazing love for God. Secondly, his love for the church and his love for individual churches. When he talks about the church of Macedonia or the church of Antioch or the church of Philippi or the church of Colossae that we've been in for a while, you can see the, the, the joy that comes out of that. You can see the connection, not just simply with a universal church, but individual churches. Every time I think of you, he said to the Philippian church, it brings joy to my life. Every time I think of you, I smile. Every time I realize and recognize the difference you've made to the lives of people, it brings an amazing amount of gratitude to me. When he writes to the Colossian church, I'm always thanking God for you. From the day you first heard of the gospel till now. I understand that you embraced it and it changed your life. And that life was not only for you, but continued to impact all around the world. What you found and what you know in Jesus bears fruit all around the world. And so every time I think of you, I am grateful. Every time I think of you, I am thankful. If I were to die tomorrow, I hope there are at least three things you'd say about me. One is, I know that he loved Jesus. Secondly, I know he loved his wife and his kids and his family. And I am so aware of the fact that he loved every single church he had the opportunity to pastor. I love pastoring Community Alliance Church. We're not perfect, but I love this place. A number of years ago, I had a heart issue and had to take some time off. And then shortly after that, I literally emotionally hit the wall. As a result of that, the elders gave me seven weeks off. And during the end of that seven weeks, I heard a number of people through the grapevine say, he's not coming back. He's not coming back. He's going to retire. Gonna live. Whatever number of things that were said about that. I just want you to know, I was always planning on coming back. I love this place. Whether you wanted me to or not, I was coming back. I love this place. I love this church. When we ask you to participate, you respond. When we ask you to volunteer, you do. When we ask you to help us for concerts, you're there. When we ask you to make sure that you serve the guests on Christmas Eve, you did. When we ask you to be involved in certain ministries, you are. When I asked you a couple of weeks ago to join with me in being able to see if there's any possibility that we could be 1,500 by September 15, 2015, I'm absolutely convinced you'll do that. When we asked you to participate with Life Choices a couple of years ago or last year and we gave you all a baby bottle, I was absolutely convinced you would respond. I didn't know as much as Gina knew and I didn't quite have her faith, but I was sure that you would respond. A few weeks ago, we sent a letter out to you. It actually came from Pastor Bob and he asked you, is there any way that you can help us finish the year well? We want to do everything we possibly can to pay our mortgage off sooner and we just want to make sure we finish well. We weren't sure how that was going to end up. We knew that we were going into December tight, but we thought we would finish well. You responded. This week, before Bob left for an event that I'm going to join him with tomorrow, he came to me with so much joy on his face, I couldn't believe it. He had a note in his hands, and he said, Do you know what happened as a result of that letter and our people responded? We finished 2013 with over $140,000 more of income than expenses. That's amazing. And then he said, it gets even better. 
We gave over $400,000 to missions. $400,000 to missions. We had no idea how well we would end, but to be able to see how you responded and what you did. I joined Paul in saying thank you. When Paul said, I am so grateful for you, when he writes to Philippi and Galatia and Macedonia and Antioch and Colossae, and he said, every time I think of you, I recognize the gratitude that wells up inside of me. I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, when anybody asks me, where do you pastor and what church are you a part of and what church do you have the thrill of being in every single Sunday morning, you have no idea how grateful I am that I can say I am pastor at Community Alliance Church. So as Paul would say to them, you bring me so much joy. I say to you, you bring me in. Amount of joy. You ever meet someone famous? Someone really well known that pretty much everyone would know by a name or a picture or something about them. If you had the opportunity to do that, it's kind of a unique moment. You're not sure how well you get to know them and it's just a passing moment, but when you meet someone that has that kind of stature, at least name recognition that most people would know, it's kind of an interesting moment. A couple of weeks ago, I had an invitation. Well, I had it quite a while ago, but I took advantage of an invitation by a friend of mine who runs Outdoor Ministry Network out of Franklin, Tennessee, to spend some time with him and some other pastors. And so I took advantage of that. On the way back, I called another friend of mine, Ken Abraham. Ken also lives in Franklin, Tennessee, and I thought it would be a great opportunity to get to know Ken, to get to see him again. We've known each other for 40 years. Started in Abraham and the Watchman Band. My wife, Connie, actually worked for them, and him specifically, and so we've known each other for a long time, and I knew God had called him out of that ministry into writing. And I just wanted to reconnect with him and spend some time with him and spend the night before I drove back to Butler on Saturday last week. I walked into his office, and I saw this wall of fame that his wife made him put up, and then the list of people that he'd been writing for, and I was blown away. I knew he'd written for a lot of people, but I looked at that wall, and I found out that he had not only written for Lisa Beamer in the book Let's Roll after 9-11, but he also wrote for Joe Gibbs and golfers Payne Stewart and Paul Azinger, astronaut Buzz Aldrin, Attorney General John Ascroft. Saw pictures up there that he wrote books for Bob Dole, Chuck Norris, Joe Olstein, and Jim Baker, and the list was endless. And I thought, my goodness, have you met a lot of people. And he's still so unbelievably humble. Just grateful to God that he's put him in those positions. And I looked at that list of people and I thought, man, that would be awesome. Just to be able to meet or connect with some of those people who are the shakers and the movers or at least people that are well known in the evangelical world and many other places. And then I got into my office on Tuesday and I began to read the section of scripture that I'm about to unpack for you right now. And I had more joy and excitement in those moments of time when I opened Colossians chapter 1 than if I'd have done that with Ken for a hundred years. Because as I looked at this section of Scripture and found that I had the opportunity this morning to introduce to you someone really amazing, the words in the description began to leap off the pages of Colossians chapter 1. Let me read to you some of Colossians 1 and see how Paul introduces the absolute one person that can meet every single need you've ever had. It's found in Colossians chapter 1. He's writing to a great church like Community Alliance. This one is found in the city of Colossae, what's now present-day Turkey. Let me begin in chapter 1, verse 3, and I'll continue to verse 20. So if you have your Bible or iPad or iPhone on you version, whatever that may be, follow along. It's on the screen, but I 
also wants you to be in the Word if you have it. I always thank God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We've heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love that you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that sprang from the hope stored up for you in heaven about what you have already heard, the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, that gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Now, for that reason, in light of all of that, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying. When I recognized that you embraced it and you understood it and it changed your life, and now that life change is going around the world, the moment I heard that, I've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you, not just give you, but to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you can live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way and bear fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, not being content to stay where you are, but continuing to grow in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power and his glorious might so that you can have great endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he brought us into the kingdom of a son that he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. That son, that Jesus, that one who rescued us from darkness and brought us into redemption and offers us the freedom of sin, that son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness, God's, dwell in him, Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. When Paul writes that section of Scripture, I don't think he ever meant it to be a section of Scripture that was discussed and unpacked in a commentary or shared in a seminar or seminary in any way. He said, when I'm declaring this, I felt like this ought to be a song that was sung or a poem that was read. Not just something that we casually go over and read in the pages of Scripture and then move on. He said, let me just stop for a moment and describe to you the most amazing person on the planet. Let me give you some details about him. Let me tell you what he does. Let me tell you who he is. Let me tell you what he offers. And then Paul begins to unpack these words. You almost visualize him sitting in a place or seated in a place or somewhere where he just consciously concentrates on what it is the Spirit of God is telling him at that moment as he begins to write those words. I can't even imagine what it was like for him to pen that. He thought it, he felt it, he knew it, but now he has the opportunity to pen it and to write it down. i got to believe that he felt every once in a while in those moments like Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah said, I, I went to church like I always do. It happened to be the year that King Uzziah died, and so I did what I always do. I went to church. I went there thinking it would be like always. But all of a sudden, I realized it was a new day. I saw God. I saw the Lord. That moment when I walked into that setting, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in all my life. I saw him there high and exalted, seated on the throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, their feet. And with 
Two, they were flying and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. The sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. You don't experience that and do church as normal. You don't come into the presence of Almighty God. You don't recognize who Jesus is and then do church as normal. Once you recognize who we serve and who we love and who we sing about and who we adore and why we share this body, you don't ever do church as normal. David would say over and over again, God, every time I open my eyes, there you are. When I lie down at night, there you are. If I went to the depths of the sea, there you are. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies every day proclaim your handiwork. Paul here in Colossians chapter 1 would echo the words of John. Who didn't go into the details of Christ's birth or didn't go into the nuances that went behind that or what was going on at the moment. He said, I want to tell you right up front. In the beginning was the Word. And that Word, by the way, was God. That Word was not only with God, that Word was God. And that Word, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God Himself, came and dwelt among us. I mean, that's a great way to start a book. That's a great way to start the study of Jesus. He dwelt among us. He took on flesh. You want to know what God is like? Here he is. Let me spend some years showing you what God is like. He made his tabernacle among us. He revealed to us God's glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He says in verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is not a facsimile or a reproduction. As the image of God, Christ is the exact visual representation of Almighty God. In Romans, Paul insists, look, you say you don't know God. You say you don't know what he is. You don't know what he's done. I'm telling you, I want to be really flat out honest with you. God has been revealing himself over and over and over and over again. You're without excuse. And now in Jesus, we not only see God in a variety of ways through nature around us, we see exactly what God looks like. Christ brings to us a clear understanding of who God is. He's creator and redeemer of what God is like, a God of love and mercy, of what God does. He rescues us from darkness and brings us to life. Paul said that Christ is the firstborn over all creation. We usually associate the term firstborn with birth or the first child. It's not what Paul means here in this particular context. He's not talking about being the first created or the firstborn, he's talking specifically about priority. In the Old Testament specifically, that term firstborn expresses status, not birth order. Verse 16, he goes on, he said, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things, underline all of you have your Bible this morning, all things have been created by him, for him, and through him. You want to know how this world came into being? That's a question that a lot of people ask. How did this world come into being? It did not start as a bang. It did not start as a blob. It was formed and created by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Open the pages of the beginning of the book. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, who created? God did. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit created the earth. It was 
form, with form, without form and empty, darkness covered the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God began to hover around. God said, let there be light, and what happened? There was light. God said, let it separate day and night, and what happened? It did. God said, let the water separate so that the land and the water are separate from one another, and guess what happened? It did. God made the vault separated from the water and under the sky, and so God called the expanse sky. God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kind. Guess what happened when God said, let that happen? It did. And God said, let the lights be in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them serve as signs that mark times and days and years. And let those lights be in the sky, give light to the earth. And you know what happened? It did. And God said, let us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they can rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all wild animals, and over all creatures that move along the ground. God said it happened. Fascinating passage. In Proverbs chapter 8, it seems to refer to Jesus, and it says this, I was there. I, I, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so the water couldn't overstep his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing in his presence, rejoicing in the whole world, and delighting in mankind. Your children want to know how this earth came to be. Your children want to know how this world was created. Your children want to know how did it all begin. Here it is. All you have to do is show them this. Every one of our children want to know how did this world come into being? What happened at the beginning? Was it a blob? Was it a bang? What happened? Here it is on the pages of Scripture. In him, all things were created for him, by him, and with him. That's a pretty good answer when my kids want to know, how did this world come into existence? Did it happen the way they say? No, it happened right here by the hands of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's a great answer to give your children. Verse 17, he said, He is before all things, and in him... All things hold together. Someone said Jesus is the divine glue that holds it all together. God didn't start things off and then walk away. Christ continually holds it together. One commentator said he keeps the cosmos from becoming chaos. So let me ask you a question. If indeed Jesus is the one that can hold this earth together, if indeed Jesus is the one who continues to hold this earth together, if he is the one that keeps this earth and this world from collapsing in on itself, do you think that he could hold your life together? If you don't know Christ as Savior and never really committed your life to him, you know all about Jesus, you know what people say, you know what pastors say, you know what the Bible says, you know what churches say. But if you've never really fully surrendered your life to Christ because you're not really sure, if I take my hands off, can he handle my life? If I let go and let Jesus take control of my life, will he do it the way I, I, I think will satisfy me? Is there a chance that he may be not able to handle my life like I think I could run it? There's a lot of people that wrestle through that and a lot of people that aren't sure what to do. Just let me tell you, if indeed Jesus can keep this world held together, 
and keep it from imploding on itself, do you not think he could probably keep your life going? What do you think? I think he could. Paul continues to describe this amazing person. Look at what he says in verse 18. And he's the head of the body. He's the head of the church. He's the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything we can have all the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood that was shed on the cross. Jesus is not only the visible form of God, and the creator and sustainer of the universe, he is the head of the church. He is the chief shepherd. He's called me to be an under-shepherd, but he's the chief shepherd. Here at Community Alliance Church, our organizational chart states it that way. In our organizational chart, years ago when we put it together, we put in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, at the very top of the organizational chart, Jesus is in charge of this place. We answer to him. We know who we answer to. We know whose advice we seek. When we want to make decisions about what ministries we partner with, we ask Christ, which one do you want us to partner with? Gina and Chelsea are phenomenal people doing an amazing ministry. But we said, once we met them, Jesus, what do you want us to do? Who do you want us to invest in? Bob and I have people every single month contact us and say, would you support our ministry? Would you support our cause? Could you give us money? We have it all the time. You have no idea how many ministries and places would love our support, would love us to partner with them as they do. You know, when we have those requests, what we do with them, Jesus, this is your church. What do you want us to do? These are your resources. We're your under shepherds. I know God has placed me in this position, and I love being here and doing what I do. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is your place and you're in charge. So what do you want us to do? This is your church. We will follow your commands. The church does not exist to meet the needs of its members or to ensure its institutional survival. It exists to fulfill the purposes and commands of its head, Christ. A church should reflect his character and his personality. His people should live lives worthy of Christ and continue to do everything they can to make sure they bear fruit all over the world. It is Jesus that we follow. All the fullness of God dwells in Christ, the word tells us. You want to know what God is like? I've had that question. When I was a kid, I had that question all the time. What really is God is like? I, I heard my parents talk about him. I heard other people talk about him. What is God like? And then I began to read the pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I found out what God was like. And then I read Colossians when I was young, and I realized that everything that God says about himself is found in Jesus. And so when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I know what God is like. I know his love and his grace. I know his justice and his mercy. I know that God cares about me. I know that God loves me more than I love myself. I know that there's nothing I could do to make him love me more and nothing I could do to make him love me less. I know that I am loved by creative God. And I am loved by a God who cares about me and understands me. It's so easy for us if we're not careful to somehow keep Jesus on the pages of Scripture and keep God out there somewhere. J.B. Phillips wrote a book years ago called Your God is Too Small and talked about the fact that if we're not careful, our modern-day world with all of its ingenuity and technology can easily diminish the needs of God. We tend to be more aware of the achievements of man than the Word of God by which all achievements are judged. We get so impressed with our own achievements and scientific genius that we dismiss Jesus to days gone by. 
What really would Christ have to say to a world in which humans have the power to clone animals and alter the genetic makeup of plants? Colossians is the answer to that question. He's everything. He is absolutely everything. In Christ, we can never fully, fully understand who we are and what God has done. But in Jesus, we see the hands of God all over the place. Without Christ, we have absolutely no hope at all. Without Christ, we're still dead in our sins. Without Jesus, who died and rose again from the dead, we have absolutely no hope on this world. Without Christ, we'll never live lives that are holy and blameless, which is what God expects when we walk into heaven. Without Christ, we have no hope in this world. But because of Jesus, we have everything. We have reconciliation before Almighty God. We have the opportunity to have our sins forgiven. We've been taken out of darkness and brought into light. We can know that our sins will never separate us from God because of Jesus. It is Christ who reconciles us to God. It is Christ who makes us right standing before God. We're able to stand before God, not because of what we have done. We couldn't do that, but because of what he has done. Every so often here at Community Alliance Church, we celebrate communion. Many of you grew up in traditions where you celebrated it every month or every week. Sometimes it was certain occasions. Sometimes it was often as you gathered together. And other times it was every time you gathered together. When I celebrate communion, I want to make sure that I never, ever forget what I was, what Jesus did, and what I am now. And that it never becomes something we do just to do it or something because it's the first Sunday of the month or the third Sunday of the month or whenever that may be or something we do on a regular basis, I want to fully understand that the God of the universe loved me so much. The God who sustained and created and keeps this world together loved me so much that he personally came and died on my place or in my place and on my behalf. And so when I hold that bread in my hands and that cup in my hands, I recognize this is God. This is Jesus who loves me this much that he gave his all so that I can have life and that I don't have to walk in darkness and I don't have to wonder what's going to happen when I die, that I can know beyond the shadow of a doubt when I embrace Christ as Savior, I'll see God face to face. And all of my sins because of Jesus are washed away. So this morning when we pass out these elements, we don't want you to ever, ever take them and see them as just a piece of bread or a cup of grape juice. See them for so much more. If you've never been here before, you'll need to see and recognize very quickly that the bread and the cup are in the same tray and we just want you to help the person beside you partake of it and share it. We're going to sing. We're going to spend some time just in quietness and we're going to celebrate. When you hold those elements in your hands, just look at them real closely and say, wow, this is amazing. The God of the universe would do this for me? God would love me this much that he would give his life so that I could have life and the forgiveness of sins and clean and be able to stand before God when the world ends because of my relationship with Jesus. Don't ever look at them the same, but see them for what they are, who he is and what he did. God would love you. Every time we celebrate this, I'm awed at these two elements until we see you face to face and know that you're going to serve them to us. May we always be reminded of the significance of who you are and what you've done so that we can have life everlasting in Jesus. Bless these elements in our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, you said that every time we do this, remember you. How could we not? How could we ever forget? Thank you for preserving your word.
so that we can see this description that Paul describes that is amazing. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us, dying for us, and setting us free.